What's up, everybody? Welcome to Study Hall, episode 12. We are brought to you by Taco Bell and Best Buy. Order a beefy, cheesy chalupa today at participating locations, and then the Geek Squad will come to your house and kidnap your wife. Participating locations only while supplies last. What's going on, guys? I'm Trevor Den with Jimmy Goodman, Jordan Hunter, and Daniel Halford. What's up? You you forgot to add the promo code. Promo code Arslanian45. For 45% off your kidnapping uh, while supply last. Yep. A Chalupa, any Thursday of any month at participating locations, Geek Squad will come over and beat the crap out of your out of you. We, I forgot to add also, we have another sponsor that just came in. We are brought to you by the state of Michigan. You're here. You might as well enjoy it. <laughs> um, last week, if you tuned into the episode, we drafted FCS teams to kind of keep track of. We kind of adopted FCS teams because we do have spring football um so guys let's go over uh how our teams did i'll just start off by saying kennesaw state did not play so i have zero points there we're starting off our season against shorter on february 27th but a former kennesaw state player signed with the wwe today so i feel like that's worth like what half a point or a fourth a point we had a big week off the field what do you guys think i think that's that would wouldn't you lose points i feel like if you're whoa 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 that's kind of you know, off the beaten path, your life's kind of over once you once you start WWE. Your life's over. Was Dwayne the Rock Johnson's life over when he won his fourth WWE title at Survivor Series in two thousand two? Yeah, he was he was beginning his career, but you don't see him like coming back to WWE. Well, he faced John Cena in back to back WrestleManias. I mean, I don't think anyone's gonna forget that anytime soon. Whatever, Jordan. Whatever, man. I think that's worth two points. Well. I uh, not only had a point this week by getting a win, but it's also in a way uh, a two-point swing because Jimmy uh, and uh, his team ended up losing. I, of course, am a strong supporter of the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Uh, I think that's what they're called. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we had a quarterback, Mark Gronowski, not Gronkowski, Gron- Gronowski. Uh, he had 194 yards and two touchdowns to lead the way. Uh, my team's doing amazing. I beat Jimmy. Uh, it's about the only thing that I had going over Jimmy this week as he demolished me uh, in about every other facet of my life. Jeez. Yeah, so, you know, another normal week uh, just for me in my life, usually like my personal life, you know, again, destroying Daniel is just kind of like a weekly occurrence kind of thing. Uh, I did get my comeuppance uh, in fantasy basketball where he choked harder than an Atlanta sports team. Um but he did get me. He did get me on the FCS side. My Northern Iowa Panthers, uh, who are one of quite a number of uh, FCS teams that play in indoor stadiums, which is really interesting. Um, there's like no domes that I can think of. I think for for FBS teams, but you know, Northern Iowa plays in a dome. Idaho State plays in a do- in a dome. North Dakota State plays in a dome. Anyway, uh, we lost in heartbreaking fashion. There's no other way to put it. You know, an unacceptable blown coverage uh, allow them to get the game-winning touchdown with less than a minute to go. But, you know, W. McIlvain, our quarterback, um, and D. Williams, our running back, both played in the game. They played terribly, but they certainly played for the North- Northern Iowa Panthers. So, you know, really, really proud of my Panthers, proud of my gold, proud of my yellow. Uh, we're still a top you know, top team in this league. And I, I think, you know, you learn most from your losses and we've learned a lot this week. That's great stuff. Jordan, go ahead. 
My team started the season great fashion, 52-0, James Madison Dukes. You don't know much about him. I know a little bit about him. I, you know, have some friends that, that used to go there, actually. Um, somehow the quarterback only threw for 147 yards, even though they put up 52 points against Moorhead State. They had six rushing touchdowns um, from four, between four different people, four different running backs. So I'm feeling good week one. Uh, I think they can – they're looking good. I think they can really take it all the way. I, I like this Dukes team. Jordan, I love the research. I love that you're off to a 1-0 start. You have one point. Daniel has one point. Jimmy has zero points, and then I'm up there. At, we're, we're saying 0.5 points for the WWE signing, and I still resent you a little bit for that, Jordan. But congrats on getting to week one. That wraps up our FCS segment. We're going to be doing this every week, updating you on how our FCS teams are doing, looking for a big win in week one over Shorter University. I know the Owls, personally. I have insider knowledge that the Owls are going to come out fighting. And by that, I mean I read an article in The Athletic. All right, moving on. Quarterback carousel. Uh, there's a lot going on in the NFL right now. You have Russell Wilson like saying that he doesn't want to trade, but then if I did get a trade, here are the four teams that I would go to. I mean, what do we make of this, guys? Do we think there's any real chance that Russell Wilson is not the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks? Are you calling BS, Jordan? I'm, I'm calling BS. Man, man just wants to win, and I think he preferably would want to win in Seattle. You know, he's rooted there. Sierra's there. His kids are there. He wants to stay there, but if they aren't going to listen to their guy who at this point in his career is in a spot where, you know, he's probably, what, 30 now? He's, he's in that tier where he's not going to play forever, and he's, you know, he's as accurate as ever. He's, he, he, I mean, his, the picks were a little issued towards the middle of the season, but besides that, he was still the same Russell Wilson one of the best deep ball throwers. I think you just got to listen to the man, get him some help this draft and his free agency. Keep, keep him happy because if you lose Russell Wilson, Seattle's going back to where they were 10 years ago. What does that look like, though? Do you think that's another receiver to maybe compliment DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? Or do you think it's on the O-line, the defense? Like, what can Seattle do? Because I feel like they make some splashy moves and it never quite seems to work out. The swing and a miss with a Clowney and then bringing in Jamal Adams. Like, what else do they need to do? <laughs> I think some O-line help for sure. That ne that never hurts, especially if you want to keep Russell um, healthy. You want to keep him on his feet. Some O-line help and maybe some a little secondary help could also be good. Some press, Also some pass rush. Just a little something here and there. Just just because the offense is – I think the offense is great. You got DK, like you said. You got Tyler Lockett. Those two guys are going to be great. The running backs are good. Just sprinkle in some talent, some positions that we're lacking, and you'll keep the man happy, and you'll compete in the NFC West. All right, so you think he's bluffing. You just think he wants a, a little bit of improvement, make them more of a bona fide title contender. How about you, Jimmy? Where are you on this Russell Wilson situation? Personally, I think that there's a little bit more to it than, you know, kind of kind of meets the eye. I think that – so it's hard to tell what's media circus and what's truth. But I think what is truth there do, is that there does seem to be some distrust between Wilson and staff – Wilson, the coaching staff, that is. Um, and I think it's hard to really imagine what – Seattle will do. I don't think that Pete Carroll is the kind of coach that, you know, they're going to commit all this big money to and then send him to a rebuilding team when he's in his seventies. Right. So I, I think it's more likely than not that he stays certainly, but I, I don't think it's impossibility that he leaves because Seattle's kind of, you know, I mean, since the, they threw a pick on the goal line, I've kind of been retreading a lot of the same team, but it gets worse every single year. Um, so rebuilding on the fly is, is a possibility, but it's not necessarily a strategy that's been working out so far for Seattle. So anything is possible. 
Um, so Dan, before this, you were talking about you. You didn't buy the the trade destinations that he listed. Uh, why was that? I think he he put what the bear the Bears, the Cowboys, the Saints, and the Raiders. And and you didn't buy that list of trade destinations. Why not, Dan? Well, I, I'm just not 100 sold on uh, the teams because hey, he he wants to go and win, but he also wants to be in a big market. I mean, are, are the Raiders, is Las Vegas really a big market? The Cowboys, obviously, you're going to be with America's team. But, hey, the line has been having issues these past couple of years with just injuries and injuries, and they're not getting the help they need. And, of course, the defense is horrible down there in Dallas. So is that really what he wants to go for? I, I think the Saints are an amazing destination. But be realistic, Russell Wilson. They're $100 million over the cap. That's never going to happen. They would need to trade half their roster for it to be able to work with you there. Uh, and then the Bears, you know I hate the Bears, so I'm just not going to, you know, rationalize that in my head whatsoever. I think if there was going to be a trade, the only people who are going to have uh, anything uh, or uh, the amount of ammunition to go and trade for him would be a team like the Jets. And come on, if he has a no trade clause, you think he wants to go to the Jets? I think Sierra wants him to go to the Jets so they can be in New York. But other than that, I don't see how that's going to happen. Uh, you There's no... Come on. Have you had a lot of conversations with Sierra lately about where she wants to live? I'm just curious. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, you know, my girlfriend's coming on later, so I don't really want to divulge how much I've been talking with Sierra recently, but uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, man. Well, Daniel, I, I, I'm curious why you think that Russell Wilson having a no trade clause, like why you think Sierra wouldn't obviously have some hand, Sierra and, and the family wouldn't have some hand in what destinations he's picking, right? I think that's why it seems so random, both from like a, a football fit standpoint and a salary cap fit standpoint, as well as like kind of a location standpoint. I mean, all the places that, that were named, right. Chicago is a big market. New Orleans is like the best place in the world. Uh, Dallas explains itself. And I forgot the other one, uh, but there's, I, I don't see how you could possibly just be like, Oh, he's not going to Chicago. Are you kidding? It's a major market. Uh, it, it certainly could fit what the family wants and they're, more their franchise more than willing to throw a lot of assets to go get what they need uh will it make him a better team would it put him in a better situation than he's currently in that's definitely debatable uh but i don't think it's like something you could disregard offhand they definitely well, have some guys though def they definitely have a solid foundation on defense between khalil mack and, and roquan and then it, you, you would definitely have Allen robinson stay in that situation so i wouldn't say the bears are a lost cause in that sense. What? Well, the, the whole thing that I'm saying about that is that what? I don't think Allen. What are you Robinson making a face is. for, Jimmy? What are you making a face gonna, for? Well, Allen Robinson is is what we in the business call a current free agent. Uh, so he has the capacity to go to other teams and sign for more money than the Bears could probably offer him. Concerning the fact that the Jets and Jaguars are two teams that just kind yeah, of roll. Yeah, actually, the top that's of my not head. true. The Bears can franchise tag him. Actually, yeah, for the, the Bears, Bears can actually franchise yeah. tag him. If if Russell Wilson goes there, he would stay. Yeah, if Russell Wilson goes to the Bears, of course, Allen Robinson was going to stay. I think Allen Robinson, uh, who went from the Jaguars to the Bears, is maybe a little bit sick and tired of losing for money and would rather actually go get, you know, a little bit more to win somewhere or a little bit less to win somewhere. Uh, yeah, so he would stay in Chicago. Let's not act like that's insane. So what I will say about the Allen Robinson talk is that the Bears right now are already looking like they're about $2 million over the salary cap. If you bring in Russell Wilson, I realize you'll probably end up trading something. It might not only be picks, so there might be players in there that help alleviate that situation, but you're going to be paying him a lot of money. You also have the Khalil Mack contract. He's one of the uh, highest paid defensive players in the league. Being able to keep Allen Robinson is not really going to be likely for them. Russell Wilson wanting to leave or not, you know, it might be a smokescreen just to get a little bit of pressure on the front office, help him out on the offensive line, whatnot. 
But one quarterback who we know is not just, you know, making a, a smoke cloud is Deshaun Watson. He wants out of the Texans. He talked to the coach today or yesterday, and he said, hey, I am not playing here. Get rid of me. And I, I think that that's the sentiment that he's been uh, talking about for the last couple couple weeks, couple months here. But, you know, going to the new coach who they just hired from the Ravens, uh, he's, he's not playing. He's done. He's sick and tired of the Houston Texans nonsense, and he's ready to move on. So, guys, I guess what's the price? Where do you think he's going to go? Ideal situations for him. Uh, we'll start with Jordan. Tell us a little bit about Deshaun Watson from your point of view. What do you want to talk about Deshaun Watson? Well, when you just described that, it just it sounds like James Harden in in Houston literally two months ago, right? Like, well, that that came out right before the season, I think, when Russell Westbrook got traded. And I mean, this is different because the season for the NFL is not until September, and training camps in like August, so they have a lot more time. But it sounds like the same exact situation where you got a guy that's saying, "I don't want to play there." you know, get me out of there. And that, that's fine. You know, his team, that team is in such a weird place where they're, they're not the worst, but they're obviously not making the playoffs and Watson is, has had enough. So I think you've got to get him out of there. Um, the jets, if, if, if they, if they want to somehow work, work that out. Uh, uh, I think the jets are probably his, his best bet. I don't know if the jets are, are willing to do that, but just want to, you know, keep a young quarterback or, Give another try to Darnold. We'll see. I personally like the the Carolina and Miami trains if he is to get traded. I like the packages that they could potentially offer because I really don't think – I think the, the Jets might actually throw basically anything but the two, but who knows. Um, I personally think he's not going to get traded. I wow. think that if, you're, if you were going to ask me with the son of the former owner who said that the inmates were running the prison – uh, was going to do with this star quarterback who is refusing under all circumstances to play for his football team, it's probably not uh, been to his wishes. So <laughs> I would say that he, first of all, will only get traded if it's for the proper price. They're not, and that that seems in a lot of, you know, pundits' eyes to be something like a four, four first-round picks, three or four first-round picks or something equivalent to that. Um, I don't think he will get sold for less. I think they will take a loss on him before they – I think they will hold on to him before they take a loss on him. Uh, and I don't see the way in which he's navigated this. I actually – I can't tell anymore if he's helping or hurting his own trade value. Um, I think he's just kind of digging himself into a deeper hole where it looks like at the current pace he will be asked to show up to training camp for the Texans or take a massive fine. Um, and that's obviously up to him. Uh but I, I don't think it's likely that he gets traded. So Trevor, do you think that he's, you know, pulling this Le'Veon Bell-esque, he's going to sit out for an entire season just to avoid playing for this team? Or, or do you think that he'll, he'll force the Texans to get something? Right, I think than- he has more leverage in this situation. And I think where, where Jimmy's wrong is that, like, this is going to get ridiculous. People like Deshaun Watson do not come on the open market where they're available for trade ever. And I feel like the price is going to be astronomical. I feel like we're talking three, four. This could be five first-round picks. And at a certain point, the Texans could be in a position where they're like, okay, we have to do this. Like, if this guy's not going to pay for us, uh, not going to play for us, we're going to get the return we need. And I feel like teams, like, you're underestimating a little bit the lengths that teams will go to get a player like Deshaun Watson. You go to a team like the Dolphins that were, what, 10 and 6 last year? If they had Deshaun Watson, suddenly that's a Super Bowl contending team with that defense um, and the young offensive line and what they were able to do with Tua Tungavailoa last year. 
Um, and then the same thing with the Panthers too. Like the Panthers think they might have a solid foundation, especially if they got someone like Deshaun Watson. So I feel like we're going to see astronomical numbers. I feel like the only question now is who will uh, be willing to bid the most. I just think the Jets, there's no way Deshaun Watson says, I'm going to go to the Jets. I mean, there's no way you leave the Texans and, and you, and you go, and you go straight to the straight to the Jets. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. Um, I, think, I think Watson wants to go to a team that two years from now, we're, the announcers are looking back and they're saying, oh, we're always going to look back at this Watson trade and how Watson forced his way out of Houston. And like Trevor said, the Jets, two years from now, maybe even three years from now, they may, they're not going to be there, most likely. He needs to go to a team. Miami was was really, what, a couple, a few plays in different games for making the playoffs. So that could, that could be a team, uh, like Jimmy said, that he can get there and push him not only to a playoff spot, but maybe even uh, a division title. So I think he has to go to a team that's already – decent to good and just put him over the edge and then make it anyone's game. Just let Deshaun do his magic. Yeah. yeah. I feel, like going, from, I feel yeah. like going from Houston to uh, the jets would be like going for beta to Kai fi. Like it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Definitely does not make any sense. Horrible move uh, doing that. But uh, Hey, it's the same situation that we're going to have with Russ where he needs to, uh, you know, wave that no trade clause. And so he'll get final say where he goes. And I think that talking about the jets, hey, the Jets can offer the most, but the Jets also have the least right now uh, around him in, uh, in terms of what's on that roster. So, hey, Deshaun Watson comes in. Yeah, you'll get you know three, maybe four, five more wins a season. That's not getting into the playoffs. And now you don't have the draft capital to go and do anything. Yes, you have all the money in the world to go get free agents, but hey, that's, that's not going to be enough. And at some point, it's going to catch up to you. You're going to need to pay too much on those contracts. You don't know what's going to happen with salary cap. It's going to come up, uh, come back and bite him in the butt. So he needs to go to a team that has all the pieces around him. I think Miami is definitely one of those teams uh, that has a good base. I don't think Carolina is one of those teams whatsoever. And you could call it a little bit of a homer take here. I would love him going to the Broncos. I think that the Broncos can offer what a lot of teams can't. And that's uh, picks that, hey, might be earlier picks uh, in the next couple of years if you're not so certain on what they're going to be like. But they can also uh, give young defensive players. And the Texans, one of the reasons why this team was so bad was because their defense was horrible. A sign and trade situation where you could, uh, uh, with uh, Justin Simmons, could be in play. He's going to be Chubb and Vaughn in the mix. Who's going? Who, who are you sending if you're, if you're Denver? Yeah, and also Denver has a little bit of salary cap space so they can work something out with Vaughn's contract to restructure that and you know spread out the money and keep some of that while they give uh, the rest of the contract over to the Texans who now are without that franchise defensive player. Vaughn, you got to send him back home. He has his chicken farm down in Texas. Uh, he'll be happy to go back to that. I think there's a lot of reasons why I can see the Broncos making this trade. And hey, Deshaun Watson gets the final say. And he's said that Denver is one of the teams at the top of his list. So I really like that situation uh, and the likelihood of it happening. Should we start taking Denver seriously, guys? Like, what's going on? Nah, I can't do it. I can't bring myself to it. Not yet. Jordan's been hurt too much as a, a Patriots fan uh, towards the end of the the uh, the Peyton Manning era. I'll never forget that AFC Championship game where we lost where we lost by what two points. Bradley Roby, game winning pick, Petrie Ridge, Gco, let's go. All right, that wraps up our NFL uh, and football overall talk. Uh, coming up, we have a very special segment that's been in the works for a while. Um, we're gonna have some study hall girlfriends on the podcast. Jimmy's girlfriend. She's going to be on and Daniel's girlfriend. And then I had five days to find one. 
and I found Aaron. She was she was there the whole time. You know, it's like the romantic comedy. She had the glasses on. She took them off. I was like, holy cow, that's my new girlfriend. You know, we have a lot in common. We're both devout atheists. We both uh, have seen the entire Ocean's trilogy within the last twelve days, um, and we both, um, you know, we both have been ghosted seven times in the last in the last year and a half or so. So very excited for this. Very excited to introduce my new girlfriend to the world. Stay tuned. That's coming up next. But first, we have another ad read. This one again for Michigan. Whether you're here on purpose, on accident, or just to visit those dang in-laws in Ypsilanti, make sure to leave that positive attitude at home. This isn't Minnesota. This is Michigan. Now that you're here, get the heck out. Welcome back to Study Hall Podcast. We have a special segment. We have the girlfriend segment. Um, so three of our co-hosts, three of the co-hosts all have girlfriends i was left with the task of being the host for this segment because i am single and lonely jordan's a girl dad he can he can handle this segment okay time out well we would have liked that statement from jimmy to be true we figured out it was anything but uh, this segment was a horrible disaster i'm putting this message in post-production right now because wow it was uh, unsalvageable besides you know taking a couple funny bloopers out of it so that's what i did for all you two, three listeners at home. So I hope you enjoy this and uh, we'll get back to the next segment in a couple seconds. Uh, Jimmy, is it Jess or Jessica? Would you know which, which she prefers? Dude, I'm literally right here. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Am I not a person, like what? Okay, so we'll go. We'll go with. Uh, we'll go with Jess. I don't want you to address me. Just don't call me anything. So first, we're gonna start by all the ladies. If you'll introduce yourself and say who you have the the pleasure of dating. I'm Camilla. I'm affiliated with Daniel. Hi, I'm Jess. I'm my own person, but I'm dating Jimmy. I'm Erin, and I have the pleasure of uh, dating Trevor. Trevor's not the easiest one to get along with. Everyone knows that. Very strong personality, but what drew you to Trevor? Well, you know, Trev, or as I like to call him, uh, local sources. He said he's, uh, you know, paying me $100 for coming on. So it was uh, kind of a no-brainer there. And is there anything you guys have learned from your boyfriends in the time you've dated them about sports? Not to be a Georgia fan. A lot of heartbreak there. Trevor, Trevor knows a lot about heartbreak. You might know about heartbreak from Trevor eventually. Camilla, you were you had a lot of confidence in your answer of the Bucks, but it answers actually the Bears. No, nah, it has to be the Bucks because Packers would have gone to the Super Bowl. So yeah, I but he gave he gave this answer yesterday. Well, I think Dan doesn't know himself too well. <laughs> and then okay, so that's that's a little a little in house you guys got to deal with there. Men, men don't like to deal with their emotions, so I feel like they just deny what causes them the most pain. Exactly. exactly. And I feel like a lot of men have felt pain from the Buccaneers. We have both of the first two girlfriends thinking that their boyfriend's least favorite team was incorrect. And then, so Jess, uh, you said you said the Dodgers, but Jimmy wrote down the Steelers. So no You're one, wrong. no one gets any, no. <laughs> again, we have a girlfriend saying that her boyfriend is wrong in his in his own answer. And I think this went really well. And the prize, there was a, a question about compensation. The prize is the winner, so no one in this case, was gonna get the first dollar we make off of this podcast, whenever that is. But because there was no winner, 
we get to keep the first dollar and we'll split it four ways. Okay, thank you, you three, for coming on to the show. It was great. This segment went as well as we thought it could go. Again, no winner this time, but as long as we had fun, that's all that matters. And we're going to toss it to commercial. And when we come back, we have our own version of the great debate on if Sam Darnold is legit or if he needs to move on. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 12 of the Study Hall podcast. We just had our wonderful girlfriends and somebody who Trevor decided to call his girlfriend for uh, one episode. What we have is real. What we have is real. You can say all you want that that is a real situation, but hey, it's up to debate. One thing that definitely is up to debate in our group chat is this argument. You know, it comes around once every hundred years. It shakes the earth. It led to a bigger fight than Ollie and Foreman. It created a bigger argument than was the dress white and gold or blue and black. And hey, it divided our group chat into sides stronger than Team Edwards and Team Jacob. The topic, who is to blame for Sam Darnold's troubles? Himself or the Jets? Trevor and Jimmy are at it. They are ripping each other's heads off. Jordan doing Jordan things. And hey, I'm, I'm a little bit on Jimmy's side. I can see where Trevor is going. But hey, this is your guys' argument. Trevor, uh, Jimmy, take it away. Jordan and I, uh, we actually have picked up competitive knitting in the past week. We're going to see who can knit the, long, the longest scarf while you guys are going at it. The timer has started. Uh, let's get going. Hey, man, we're not we're not caged animals. It's all love in here, brother. We're, no, no, no. We're, I want to start off by saying that it's we're, not we're, all love. It's not all love and that I think I'm smarter and better than you. And I also think that your opinion on this argument makes you lesser of a person. Continue. I mean, that definitely hurts my feelings. That that definitely hurts. But, you know, I'll, I'll come back stronger, please. Um, it, it's a simple fact between between Trevor and I. We just we just don't quite see the, the world the same way. It's a, it's a tomato, tomato, potato, potato kind of situation. Uh, except the stakes couldn't be higher. The stakes are Sam Darnold's career and and – you know, his dignity and his reputation. And I think that the facts of the case are clear. Sam Darnold is simply not to carry the majority of the blame for his performance and the performance of the Jets over the first three seasons of, of his career. And every time I bring this up, you know, Trevor just gets seething. He goes for all the ad hominems. You know, you just argue to argue. I hate you, man. And it's like, dude, all I want to do is just like, you know, put an arm around you and bring you into this loving community where we forgive Sam Darnold. We forgive a Trojan hero, the one beautiful shining light of goodness that this college has seen in a football sense, basically in the last 15 years. I want you to appreciate him and appreciate what he can do. And and don't succumb to the naysayers who will put him in the, the Carson Palmer, Mark Sanchez category of top flight, you know, draft prospects coming out of USC that can't make it happen on the pro level. Don't let it be more fodder to the conversation that USC quarterback has never made the Super Bowl in any significant capacity while UCLA can trot around two years of Troy Aikman. Don't become that person. Come to the right side. Come to the light side. Come to the Darnold side. I'm glad you started off that way because that's similar to how I was going to start. And I just want to begin this by saying that I love Sam Darnold. Uh, that year that he led USC to the Rose Bowl, turned around a disappointing season, was nothing short of magical. It was my introduction 
to Troy. It was my introduction to the Coliseum was watching him make incredible plays. In fact, you know, I interviewed him uh, mere months, a couple months after he got drafted. One of my personal highlights, one of the most fun things I've done in my career. In my closet, if you look to the leftern hemisphere of my current corridor, you'll see a Sam Darnold Jets uniform. I am a Sam Darnold guy. He meant a lot to my college experience, and that is why it is so painful for me to admit the truth. And that's what we need to get to here, the truth. A lot is what, of what you brought up was emotions, the USC-UCLA thing. I prefer to live in reality, and the reality of the situation is this. Sam Darnold has not performed like an NFL quarterback in any capacity. And you can go ahead, you could blame Adam Gase, a terrible coach. I concede he's a terrible coach. The Jets are a terrible organization. Jamison Crowder being your best receiver when he plays like four games a season, still his four games being better than anyone else on the Jets. Those are fair points. But in his three seasons, in his 38 games, mind you, of professional experience, Sam Darnold has showed no potential of being a star caliber quarterback or even an above average level quarterback. He is last in passer rating in his third year. He is one of the worst quarterbacks since entering the league. He has shown no ability to go through his progressions and make NFL caliber reads during his time in New York. And let me just start, let me, let me again, let me just cover my bases because I don't want this to get into you saying that I hate Sam Darnold, talking about emotions. I don't want you to get into that. The thing I will say this about Sam Darnold, no doubt. Incredible athleticism for his size. I mean, you saw it in when he trucked a guy against the Broncos. I mean, incredible play. Incredible athleticism for his size. And obvious, obvious, obvious arm talent. I mean, I don't have to tell you that. You just have to show the throw that he made to Deontay Burnett late in the Rose Bowl. So those two things are true. Now, what is not true is that Sam Darnold has shown no ability to process the field. He has shown no ability to adjust to the speed of the NFL game and get out of a Pac-12 type, type lifestyle where you can play backyard football, scrambling for your life, complete a pass 50 yards to Juju Smith-Schuster. He can't do that anymore, and he looks lost out there. And I've not seen any potential from him so far that he can be good in the NFL. And that's the point that I'm trying to make here. Okay, I just, well, I want to say, Jamie, you're kind of living in a sort of Wanda Maximoff reality. I, I, let me just get a little WandaVision reference in there. Yes. Did you think that was yes. a clever line, Jordan? Yes, that was very me? clever. Don't pick that on Jordan. Anger. Don't pick on Jordan. How dare you? How dare you? That was a great line. No, all the anger that I have tonight. towards Trevor is getting redirected towards you, like like a redirected beam off of Captain America's shield from Iron Man. You're gonna take the brunt of the damage here. You think but that was a clever line? That's that's not the conversation. That is not the conversation. The conversation that we're having here is if Sam Darnold hasn't shown anything, that's that's just not true, right? I mean, there there have definitely been times in his game where he's shown the capacity to be a quality NFL quarterback. It hasn't been consistent. I, I won't, I won't, you know, put on any kind of errors here and act like he's been doing it week after week, but he's definitely had points in his career where he's shown something. But I think that the best way to understand Sam Darnold is to understand contemporaries and others who have been in a situation like his. And the perfect example for this is Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is someone who I could probably admit, you know, and considering the personal biases I have for Sam Darnold, like I could probably admit that if I were a Texas A&M guy, I'd probably feel the same way about Ryan Tannehill back in whatever 2014 as I do right now about Sam Darnold, right? He was a guy who's great in college and just didn't get a chance to show himself in the pros because one, Adam Gates, and two, absolute fucking refuse in terms of a supporting cast. I know, I went there. Uh, you look at a team in the Jets, and it, it's hard for me to remember in my, you know, 
honestly, in my lifetime of, of watching football, seeing a team less talented, and that includes, you know, an 0-16 Lions team, an 0-16 Browns team, some pretty putrid Buccaneers teams. I mean, this, this team has absolutely nothing on which he can rely, and it only gets worse when you consider that the coach is probably the worst coach in the National Football League. But we're lucky enough to see that Ryan Tannehill, who right now is a, a perfectly capable quarterback, he's led now two back-to-back playoff campaigns with you know a win, or two wins actually last year, and an AFC title berth, right? Like Ryan Tannehill is the poster child for a comfortable starting quarterback in this league. He's not going to absolutely destroy you, but I mean, he's definitely someone who you can rely upon and they gave a multi-year contract to for a reason, but he spent three years under Adam Gase the same way or two years under Adam Gase, the same way that Sam Darnold has. And if you look at their stats, they pretty much match up exactly alike, but you know, Jarvis Landry existed, right? And Sam Darnold's never played with a player that talented, at least not on the offensive side. Uh, they had a running game that was a completely, like, <laughs> like non-existent. Like, this is a team that constantly plays from behind and never seeks to establish a run. And last year, it relied at, like, half the season on Frank Gore, which is absurd. He can't continue to become a starting running back in this league. But that's not the conversation. The conversation is that, realistically no top quarterback has had less to work with at least not in recent memory than Sam Darnold and if you want to look for where the blame is if you want to look for what should they do this year should they let Sam Darnold go should they figure out another option contract issues aside I don't see a reason for them to just cut bait and run on Sam Darnold even with a new head coach even with the new staff if you can get the proper tools around him he showed it at USC in 2017 he was playing with nobodies he was playing with Goddamn Jalen Green, who dropped I, – I will never for, forgive him for dropping what became a pick six against Texas at the Coliseum. He played with nobody at wide receiver except for Deontay Burnett. And he struggled, as you could expect. And that was with the weight of the world on his shoulders as a Heisman hopeful, a Heisman leader in many regards. And the same thing has happened in New York. He was a top pick, and they gave him absolutely nothing to work with. But in 2016, he actually had fun, functional wide receivers. But that, that's Darius Rogers. That's Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, shit, like – Daniel Amater Bebe was playing football and playing well, right? Like Sam Darnold has had nothing by proportion like that in the NFL to this point in his career. The supporting cast is one thing, but these are still NFL guys. No matter who's on the Jets, they're still NFL caliber players. They're still there for a reason. And there were times when they did get open. And Sam Darnold, instead of taking a five-yard pass, would scramble around for 20 minutes in the backfield, ultimately to take a sack or throw an interception. He has not shown that ability to make quick decisions and move on. He's constantly trying to play it like he did at USC and make the bigger play, make the 46-yard play. The game has not slowed down for him at this point. And I feel like that's alarming when you're in year three, when you have 38 games under your belt. Like, is there even a precedent? I mean, I guess Ryan Tannehill, you bring up, but Ryan Tannehill is much better in those two years with Adam Gase than Sam Darnold was. He completed like fundamentally not true. No, no, no. Wait, his two years, stats, his two years were twenty. No, no, no. His two years were twenty. What, twenty sixteen and twenty eighteen? He had a ninety three point five passer rating, then a ninety two point seven. Sam Darnold eighty four point three, seventy two point seven. I mean, that's like twenty points below. How are you saying that's the same? Also, both years, Ryan Tannehill had a positive touchdown to interception ratio. He also won more games than he lost there with the Dolphins. And you said it was just as bad as a, a supporting cast um, with the Jets, with the exception of Jarvis Landry. I feel like regardless, you can't blame everything on the supporting cast and the coaching staff. 
you need to take a look at what the quarterback is doing because this is a complicated profession. It is. And, and if you're just relying on who you're playing with, then you're not going to be a good NFL quarterback. You need to be um, showing improvement year by year, regardless of what your situation is. Then you show me that you could potentially be a pro bowler. But when you haven't shown any progression or improvement or efficiency in three years in the league now, I mean, his, it's his third year now. He went two and 10 as a starter with his lowest completion percentage, um, nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions. I mean, that's just for year three not showing that stagnation. And I feel like what's happening here is USC fans want to, they want to ride on the old times and they want to completely blindly act like Sam Darnold's doing nothing wrong. And, and that's just completely false. That's just completely false. He has not been a good leader of this franchise at all. So I can get in here because as you know, young Daniel, I never had those, those rose tinted glasses of Sam Darnold. I had JT Daniels as my quarterback when I came in as a freshman. Okay. Jordan's giving the thumbs down. Keep your knitting over there. Okay. I'm, I'm going to beat you in that, but I will say, I don't look at it from, Hey, Sam Darnold is this, this hero of mine. Yeah. He's a USC guy. I love to see USC guys succeed, but I'm not going to be that swayed by that. And what I can say is that if you want to bring up the, uh, the argument of, Hey, top quarterbacks, even with minimal targets, still do well. All you need to do is look back at Aaron Rodgers a couple of years ago. They gave him no wide receivers. Devontae Adams hadn't stepped up yet. He had nothing around him. And hey, he also had a horrible coach with Mike McCarthy. That team was bad. He was hurt. Aaron Rodgers was hurt the same way Sam Darnold kept getting hurt. And he was trending in a negative area. Jimmy, let me finish this argument quick. No, okay? I have to jump in. First of all, you do not get to derail this argument with your Green Bay Packers sob story. And second of all, no one is calling Sam Darnold Aaron Rodgers. Like, you can't just... That's, Jimmy, I'm literally on your side here. I'm not saying that he... You, Jimmy, you I'm not saying that he should be in the same situation compared to Aaron Rodgers in any sense of the manner. I'm just saying even good quarterbacks, when they have nothing, trend in a downward uh, in a downward trajectory. They're not going to be successful. Now you have any quarterback, you go and put them on the Jets, they're not going to be successful. You could put Aaron Rodgers... I think anyone... Uh, anyone besides Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes would struggle getting this team to the playoffs. The stats are pretty much, if you factor in the, the fact that Ryan Tannehill actually had a number one wide receiver and a, a, a an offensive line that simply wasn't the in the bottom three every single year, he did about as, as much, you know, he outpaced Darnold as much as you could possibly expect. And I think when you talk about the fact that Sam Darnold plays like a college quarterback still, that tracks because his coach hasn't done anything to help him. I mean, the first person you look at if you see a guy who still seems like he's playing like a college quarterback is his coach. I, I mean, even Jameis Winston, who's the turnover king of turnover kings, like actually changed his game between the time that he came out of FSU and by the time he left the Bucks because he had a good coach in Bruce Arians. And and you can make arguments any which way to Tuesday about his 30 interceptions and 30 touchdowns, but I, he, he did have a particularly pro prolific season in, in 2019. And there's nothing saying that Sam Darnold can't make similar strides with a quality coach. Or it's a quality talking that, okay, so we're waiting on him to make the stride of throwing 30 interceptions in a season? Like, what are we even saying? Like, you're comparing him to Jameis Winston all of a sudden? No, I'm not saying that uh, making a stride is throwing 30 picks, but I'm saying that someone with as little obvious talent as he showed over the course of his rookie contract as James Winston, even he made strides once he had a good coach in his ear. And concerning the fact that Sam Darnold had Todd Bowles, who, bless his heart, couldn't figure things out on the Jets, which most people probably couldn't, and then Adam Gase, 
I mean, it's, it's hard to say that he's had actual proper instruction, especially coming from, you know, a USC team where he was coached for two years by Clay Helton. He's probably never had a quality head coach in his entire football career. I mean, I don't know anything about what it was like at San Clemente High School, but you can make the argument that he, he legitimately hasn't had proper instruction his entire career, and he's even made it this far, right? So we'll see what happens with Robert Sala, but I think he's still worth a chance. Trevor, you get the last word here, and then we're, uh, we're going we're gonna to end this podcast. Does Mitchell Trubisky deserve another chance? Does Cam Newton deserve another chance? Does Nick Foles? Does Daniel Jones? Does one-legged Alex Smith? Does Drew Locke? No, you can't. You're talking does about Dwayne quarterbacks Haskins? with second chances. What? That's, what's that? Dwayne Haskins? Every single, every single one of those quarterbacks, except for Mitch Trubisky, got a second chance, right? Like, because Mitch, Mitch is out on the same team. Yeah, and no, I'm Mitch saying right now, though, yet. I'm saying right now, do any of those quarterbacks or any of those quarterbacks viable starters? Because all Some of those quarterbacks guys, are young. All of those guys were better than Sam Darnold. All of those guys were considerably better than Sam Darnold last year. And all of them had considerably more assets to use to win games. All right, this is the end of this argument. Jordan, how many feet of yarn did you get out? Six. Six? Psh, amateur hour. I was at 18. All right, everyone, thank you so much. Yeah, for if all of them had a better support, yeah. Some of them might have had a better support in the back. But we are going to be ending this here. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thank you to all the girlfriends who got on earlier. And uh, hey, great argument. Talked about our relationships. You guys are breaking your relationship. It's all wonderful here on the Study Hall Pod. Tune in next week for more shenanigans.